Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Kester. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. He's got all the insight of what you want to know and maybe some of what you don't want to know. Here's K-State insider Tim Fitzgerald. And welcome back in, everybody, to Sports Daily, hour number two on a Thursday. And we are joined by Tim Fitzgerald, as usual. Fitz, how are you? A jumbled mess there in the Big 12. Gets even more jumbled last night. As K-State can't quite get it done in Ames, the, the home court advantage seemingly playing a factor there. Yeah, it was. It was a, God, a, that's such a great environment up there. that Their fans get after it. They did last night. <clears throat> Just a, a weird game. I mean, K-State was getting blown out in the first half. They get off the mat and and then the referees took over. Guys, I figured this up. Um, you know, there was 27 fouls on K-State, which is by far their largest total of the year. Uh, and they had 11 fouls called um, in the first 28 minutes of the game, 28-plus minutes of the game. They had um, 16 more called in the final 11, like 46 they had a foul called on them every 47 seconds in that stretch. Um, it was uh, – the refs earned their money last night. They, they they certainly got to use their whistles a lot. Yeah, we, we really uh, rarely see <clears throat> Jerome Tang get that fired up, uh, you know, on the sideline well, or even, um, you know, after the game. Do you have any insight about what the situation <clears throat> was? Was it was he mainly just upset about the number of fouls, or were there other things going on? I know he and T.J. Oltzelberger had a little exchange at center court. Do you have any insight on that? Yeah, there, there was something going on with fans um, interacting with his bench uh, and not like yelling, I, throwing stuff. I, I still don't know yet. I hope to find out at the next uh, media availability. Uh, there's reports of some racial slurs. Um, I don't know about that. Um, you know, I was I was told the main problem with that was about was uh, something um, interfering with the bench. <clears throat> I've heard reports that all their water was spilled. I've heard reports that things were thrown at them by fans adjacent to the bench. Um, you know, Iowa State has great fans, and and so I I, I certainly don't want to judge you know uh, the actions of a very few 
you know, to paint the whole group. But that's unfortunate. That's not typical of Iowa State fans. When we look at the rest of the Big 12, I think that both of the teams that played there last night are absolutely contenders in this league. Kansas is, Houston is, I think you have to say Texas Tech is. I probably would still say TCU and Texas are. I was actually pretty impressed with the way Cincinnati played. They're going to be really interesting down the stretch. I mean, it's always competitive. It's always open. But with KU not quite up to the expectation we set for them to begin the year, do you remember when there have been this many teams that could win it, actually win the league? No. No. No, and I think that the factor that's making this even more intriguing is the introduction of Houston into the Big 12 ecosystem, uh, basketball ecosystem, uh, because that provides a you know a, a clear possible challenge to Kansas. Um, but I, I think we can also probably agree already that Kansas's depth is going to be an issue <clears throat> in this conference where there's no easy nights. I mean, they've they've experienced what you might think would be two of the easier road trips in the conference if there is such a thing and they lost both of those games so um i i envision out of these 14 schools that at some point um we we might see you know by season's end like 10 teams or 10 and 8 and everyone else is you know just filling in the the rest of the bottom and they're like a 10-way tie for the championship this is just a mess and uh, it's it's beautiful. It's it's, it's good basketball, and uh, the fact that anyone can rise up and beat anyone makes this conference totally different than anyone else. Fitz, do you have any concerns about the rebounding effort from this team? It's the third game in a row that the Wildcats have been out-rebounded, including the game over the weekend against the winless Oklahoma State Cowboys. And uh, the Wildcats win that game, but they still get out-rebounded by Oklahoma State in the Baylor win last week. Uh, you know, they win the game, but they get out-rebounded in that game as well. And then, of course, last night. Uh, any lingering concerns moving forward? What do you think needs to change to get that uh, script flipped? Yeah, they're going to get destroyed at Houston if they don't rebound. I mean, that's Houston's – it's Frank Martin basketball. You throw the ball up there, you go get the rebound, and you get a shorter shot. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, a game-based – entirely unrebounded there's there's some achilles heels to this team that just make their record hard to explain yeah that's 17 turnovers again last night that's three straight games of 17 turnovers coming off an 18 turnover game at the at texas tech you can't sustain that and they've got to get that under control now the rebounding has popped up you get out rebounded you have 17 turnovers uh, the other team shoots, uh, what was the total, 35 free throws um, because you're called for 27 fouls. How are you even in that game? Uh, I, I have real problems explaining how K-State is playing at the level they are with some of these statistics, but the defense is carrying them a long ways and just enough scoring to keep them above water at times. It's, it's really difficult to explain how they're having some success. Yeah, I, well, I mean, I think that some of the players they brought in are probably ahead of schedule. Some are behind schedule, I guess. But, I, I mean, I think yeah. I know what I would point to is coaching, Fitz. Like, I, I you know, th- we're two for two now yeah. on seeing rosters we didn't think would be as good as they are before season started. They've overachieved twice now. 
basically. Both yes. years under You're Jerome exactly Tang, right. this team has overachieved. Uh, I'll say this, though. Last year, we quickly began to understand that this is a really good team. I mean, they, they look like it. They, they get up and down. They can score in flurries. This team doesn't have a lot of the same characteristics. They don't have the great playmaker. Um, you know, they don't have a guy that can bully ball like Keontae would, you know, when they needed a hoop. Um, it's, it's interesting to watch how good uh, they're putting this together. Uh, but I'll just say this, and I, I certainly don't want this to sound like I'm blaming one player for the fact that this team uh, could be playing at a higher level. But when Tyler Perry hit those back-to-back threes, it ignited K-State and brought them back into the game. Uh, if he can get his shot more consistent, get back to where he was, this is going to be a really good K-State team because they've been winning ball games with the guy they brought in to, to be their reliable outside shooter shooting about, I don't know, 20, 25% from three. So it's, you know, it's, it, it, this team has another gear, and they've got a high gear that they can get to. Uh, but boy, they got to clean up the turnovers, fix the rebounding, and and just make shots. Some basic basketball stuff. You know, last night I know a lot of it was probably out of necessity with foul trouble and things like that. But we saw a lot more players play off the bench for Kansas State than you know, kind of that tighter rotation that we're used to from Jerome Tang. And I, I'm curious to know from the limited amount of minutes that we've seen some of these guys play throughout the season, who's for real? I mean, I think Finister probably is right there. Colbert is probably there. Who do you like coming off the bench, especially as we get deeper into conference play, into March, all of that, to be able to bring a spark off the bench or even come in in relief if you've got players in foul trouble? Yeah, that's a problem. I mean, you know, they – they thought they were going to have two other players uh, to add to the depth, and they don't. So now, you know, they've got some guys in the starting lineup or coming off the bench like Dorian Finister. They didn't plan on, and I like Dorian a lot. He's rock solid, but uh, you know they're going to have to get him to be able to shoot the ball better uh, from the field. Uh, kind of kid can dunk for a guard. It's really impressive, but uh, he's got to fix his outside shot. So he's more of a threat. But I'll just say I think all three of the true freshmen here, uh, even though Buddy Rich isn't playing, I'm going to include him in uh, into that group. Uh, but certainly we see Day-Day Ames and R.J. Jones come in uh, and provide some really good minutes at times. And then they make freshman mistakes and come out of the game. I think Ames had a couple silly fouls uh, and came out. But uh, they have flashes. that I think those guys are going to be really good. And I really like the way, uh, you know, that – Coach Tang is handling them. Uh, he gives them just enough to learn and rest his veteran players uh, and, and then gets them out of the game uh, because he, he knows you in this league, like the NCAA tournament, you better have some veteran guards to handle all this pressure. Uh, and right now, K-State has a couple of veteran guards that are struggling with turnovers, but they're keeping you know the team in game. So uh, he's been able to delve into his bench. Uh, but you brought up Jarrell Colbert. He has made incredible improvements, and I think he's going to be a really good center for K-State for a couple of years to come. Fitz, I want to get your perspective, Tim Fitzgerald, our K-State insider. The Scott Mills, or sorry, the Scott Drew tree has been really good, but it's not yeah. going well at all for Paul Mills in year one. 
So this rebuild, Shockers, I don't know how much you've been paying attention, are winless in the league right now, and it's got us pretty concerned. But, like, the days of program building and getting more than uh, – getting much time at all, those are behind us, aren't they? Like, college basketball doesn't work yeah. that way anymore. Success has to be immediate. Yeah, and, you know, at least year two. Um, you know, I – with the transfer portal in all sports, it changes everything. I, we're seeing women's basketball altered by the transfer portal and by the changes in the game. Because now, I mean, if you look at the top ten, what's K-State doing up there? Uh, that, there's always been like a country club of elite programs. And South Carolina is at the top of the polls. They're unbeaten. But uh, there's K-State just hanging around like, you know, hey, fellas, what's, what's happening here? Um, so, yeah. I feel like coaches are on a shorter leash, uh, but it's also the contracts are the same. I mean, they, they, they're getting the five, six-year contracts to start with lots of buyout. and um, I, I don't know if ADs aren't able to adjust to the new reality of college sports because agents won't let them, but, uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, we're going to see a lot of coaches on the hot seat much quicker than we're used to. And plus, you know, to get – big picture, we're just not patient as a society at all. You know, I look back with what K-State put up with, with like Tom Asbury, and you're like, that just, there's no way that happens now. There's just no way. Um, and, you know, people just want immediate gratification, which, you know, in some ways with the sports world, that's not a bad thing. And with the transfer portal, that's a possible thing. But, yeah, that's, that's unfortunate. I saw the Wichita State team in Kansas City, and I thought they're solid. They've got some dudes that can play. So, the, the you know, see them struggle is kind of odd. Got to ask you a football question. Uh, obviously, the ripple yeah. effects of Jim Harbaugh going from Michigan to the Chargers. It, you know, it, this happens every time there's a coaching vacancy in college, mm-hmm. and you've got two names at the top of every list, Lance Leipold and Chris Kleiman. Uh, it looks like Sharon Moore is going to be the guy for Michigan. But in some alternate universe, if that doesn't happen or if that falls through, is there any indication that, you know, Michigan could be a Chris Kleiman destination? Uh, no, but I'll say this. That's a job that any coach would look at. Yeah. In, in, any coach. Um, whether it's Lance Leipold, Chris Kleiman, or, you know, let's be honest, they're both Big Ten country type guys. Um, but yeah, I think both fan bases can kind of have a sigh of relief that they have an in-house obvious choice. I mean, what's funny about it is let's, let's be blunt here. If Michigan doesn't hire him and hires a coach, if I'm the other AD that just lost the coach, I hire the Michigan offensive coordinator. I mean, the dude is for real. He connects with the players. Uh, so it's an obvious thing that Michigan will do this. You would think, uh, but who knows? College athletics are weird right now. So uh, we'll see how this plays out. But, uh, man, I I just say it, it gets tiresome, doesn't it, guys? Yeah. And every job that pops open, they just, uh, you know, it's almost um, – and, and this isn't necessarily true with the Michigan job because that is one of the elite jobs in college football. But it's almost like any time a job pops open from one of these two conferences, uh, they list these guys because, 
why would they want to hang around Kansas <laughs> when they could be in? You know, it's it's almost condescending. Shoot, I even uh, you know, I even tweeted I even tweeted last night that I feel like Pete Thamel just has a, a word document that he just copies and pastes <laughs> every time there's a head coach opening that includes Leipold and Kleiman on it. Yeah, you know the look the hot board thing is, is I'll be blunt here in my industry it is a gold mine. I mean, people love the hot board. They read the hot board. They sign up to read the hot board. They want all the scoop. And But in this case, there was no reason to do that. You know, just the tweet should have been, Michigan is expected to hire. You know, just move on. Because everyone, even a, a noob like me in the middle of Kansas, you know, knew exactly what Michigan was going to do with this job. I don't, I don't see why he needs to list anyone until it becomes maybe they're not going to hire him because they're going to hire him. From Derby, Kansas, by the way. Did you know that, Fitz? I did not know that. Sharon Moore well, that, from Derby, Kansas. Perfect. Yeah. Sharon, if you so don't they're going to Sharon they're, Moore. They're going to Kansas anyway. Yeah. A Derby man know. to a Michigan yeah. man. He played at he played at Butler Community College before going on to Oklahoma. He's got lots of local ties. Uh so yeah. there you go for that one. We can I, be gee, proud I, of that either way. I appreciate your homework. I I didn't do my homework on that. I that's kind of cool. That was very cool. Oh, I think it's it's way cool. It's awesome. From Derby to flipping Michigan right now. I God, I hope I'm not a Michigan fan and I want him to be so successful there. So it'll be a, an interesting dynamic so, for me. I was so impressed by him when he filled in and with all you just yeah. told me, I, I bet you he's gonna be in Derby quite a bit recruiting a certain player. There is one uh, that plays tight end. Uh, that's that's uh, yeah. a pretty high end recruit. They've had exactly. they've had lots of them over the years. Maybe maybe yeah, uh, well we'll see. I I don't, I don't want to speculate because I have no idea. But that will be uh, it'll be interesting. That little pipeline now will almost certainly include Michigan among all the other names for these players. They keep churning out. Okay, we got Houston this weekend. Back to back road games. Mm. Just a brutal stretch. What do you guys have coming for us at GoPowerCat.com? Uh, just. You know, lots of stuff about that. I My daily delivery video today was about uh, this is the proving ground for Kansas State. Six out of seven starting last night against ranked teams. Uh, this will get them to the two-thirds mark of conference play. Uh, how can they – what will they do over the seven-game stretch? They're own one now. Uh, I said, you know, if they go two and five, they're going to be 500 in the conference at the two-thirds mark. Yeah, sure, you want better than that. But that'll get it done, you know, if you get through this. Um, and they, they should be able to go two and five. So anything above that is they're stealing wins and they're coming out, uh, you know, with their head above water at the end of it, two-thirds through the season. So there's a lot of coverage. I mean, we're just having fun covering K-State and Big 12 sports. It's really it, – it, I, I absolutely love this conference. Yeah, it's it's a blast. It's going to be a blast. I don't know who's going to win it because I think Kansas is more vulnerable than we thought. I think Kansas will probably still win it, but man, it is going to be tight all the way through. Uh, it'll be fun to follow, and we can do that at GoPowerCat.com. You can follow Fitz at Life of Fitz on social media. We appreciate it. We'll talk again next week. Love you, boys. Thanks, man. There goes Tim Fitzgerald. Let's give away some HTO on the way out here. We'll do a free iced tea and a free brew house coffee. The tea available 
at the locations around town, both of the Wichita locations and in Derby, the Brewhouse Coffee, only available at the East Wichita location and in Derby. We'll give those cards away, get you some drinks on us here at Sports Daily to our first caller on the KFH hotline during the break. We'll come back. More Sports Daily right after this. All right, welcome back in, everybody. Sports Daily here. Jake Balbrock, Tommy Caster. We're all caught up. Our appreciation to Tim Fitzgerald. Our appreciation to Chelsea Messenger. If you missed anything with those two guests or our conversation on Shocker Basketball, you can go back and listen for free on the Odyssey app. All right, the other big news yesterday. Tommy, Jim Harbaugh, hired by the Chargers. Uh, I think everybody on the planet thought that was the best fit for Jim Harbaugh. It really became a question of, will this Chargers ownership group do something it had never done before? And that's, you know, seemingly pony up for a head coach. I would contend that the coaching for the Chargers through their last two regimes has been some of, if not the worst, in football. And you've got Justin Herbert there. The Chargers didn't have a choice here, really. Like, you have got to get that spot right Jim Harbaugh has been successful everywhere he's ever been. Now you've got Justin Herbert. They're going to have to rebuild a little bit, I think, or maybe not. That that will be the curious thing, I think, of their offseason is how they approach this. Do they think with Harbaugh that team can be good enough? I don't know the answer to that. You know, two years when they put that group together, we certainly all thought they could be. So maybe they can be. Or maybe they have to rebuild it. And either way, you, you've got a better person in charge, at least within each game, calling the play. I mean, their last two coaches, man, I, I'm telling you, I'm married into a Chargers family. And it's rough, man. It has been rough to watch them play football. You know, the good thing about Jim Harbaugh is that you're not even just talking about what he did at Michigan. You're talking about his overall body of work. He wins everywhere he goes, and he builds programs wherever he goes. You know, he was at San Diego State. He was at Stanford. Stanford has not been relevant basically since he left. He built the 49ers into a championship-caliber type team. And then, of course, Michigan, right? So everywhere he's gone, he's built teams, he's built programs, he's built franchises. That's what he does. And, of course, he's a national championship-winning coach this last year at Michigan. So all of those things combined together, and then you have the talent of Justin Herbert, who I think that everybody can agree has been mismanaged in his time as a professional, it does seem like the right match. It does seem like a match made in heaven. And for the first time in, man, maybe ever, or at least a long time, I feel like the Chargers can be taken more seriously in that division. I mean, like, when was the last time that you could really, really take the Chargers seriously legitimately and you know north turner maybe uh, i mean maybe i don't know it's no, been I a mean, long time last year when they had their epic collapse against jacksonville i mean i think we were taking them seriously right i i just, yeah but there was still I, always I, that thought in the back of your head that the chargers are going to charge her right and they did that's what they always they done. absolutely did that's what they always uh, did. they absolutely did yeah, I, I don't know if, if Harbaugh can be the guy, because as a player for the organization, right, they came up just short also. Yeah. But there's in that, you know, city and facility and with Herbert there, like they just can't not get this right. They can't afford to because they're already irrelevant there. They should have never moved to L.A. They should have always stayed in San Diego. 
Like the pressure's on them because everybody in L.A. is either a Rams fan or they don't care, right? Like it's, at least from what I can tell. And the Chargers were one of the great fan bases across football. Just ridiculous that they moved in the first place. And then you've got Justin Herbert, who has at times in his young career looked like he belongs in the conversation with the rest of these great young quarterbacks. You just can't afford to screw that up. So what do you do? You go get Jim Harbaugh, right? Like you go get the guy who's been successful at every level, every place that he's ever been as a coach, and you bring him in there. And, and you you know, they're going to hire a GM, too. That will be interesting. I don't remember. Did Harbaugh ever have player control uh, with San Francisco? I don't recall. I don't but think so, because he had a general manager I don't there. Think he, and that was part of the reason why he left, because they didn't get along. Right. So you got to get that spot filled, too. And I don't know that Harbaugh—I mean, the thing about it is, for these college coaches now, is their general managers as much as their coaches. So I'll be curious to see, like— how that process goes. I'll be curious to see if he keeps Kellen Moore on board because I think Justin Herbert regressed this year uh, rather than took a step forward, which is what we most of us thought would happen. And and they've got some rebuilding to do. They're aging out on offense outside of Justin Herbert. So it's a good hire for the Chargers. I mean, it's the right hire for the Chargers. It checks all of the boxes. There's the nostalgic feel to it. There's the fact that they needed a splash hire for relevancy. They will be more relevant with Jim Harbaugh there as a bottom line. There's no doubt about it. They just they will be, and so it makes a lot of sense. I, I like the hire for them. I text my wife and mother-in-law right when I saw it, and I said, "You guys can be happy. They finally went out and got the you know got somebody that at least you know who they are." Brandon Staley. What? Who is that? You know what I mean? Like what? That doesn't make a lot of sense. And of course, it didn't. So they didn't overthink this one. They just went out and they hired a winning coach. Yeah, there was a power struggle between Harbaugh and Trent Baalke in San Francisco that led to Harbaugh leaving the 49ers in 2014. So that was a big part of it. I know that one of the concerns, and you brought it up before too, is that the Chargers historically don't pay their coaches. And so this was something, this was a a, a narrative uh, stereotype that they had to break away from. They had to make sure that if they wanted to get a legitimate coach, They needed to pay that person. And don't forget, Michigan, it was widely reported, made an offer to Jim Harbaugh that would have made him the highest-paid college football coach in history, and he turned it down to go to the Chargers. It's a five-year deal, and so clearly the financial commitment from the Chargers is there, and that's really important. The thing about Jim Harbaugh is that, you know, there are some quirks about Jim Harbaugh that people like to – Make fun of a little bit, joke around about. I remember when he was with the 49ers and it was all about the khakis that he wore, you know, every game and uh, just some of the things that he says and the way that he's kind of awkward and, you know, all of that. So you can kind of poke fun at that and that's okay. But when it comes to the actual coaching, he's rock solid. Typically, he's typically a rock solid coach. Whereas with past regimes, when it was Brandon Staley, Anthony Lynn before that, there were a lot of times where it wasn't about their personalities that you made fun of. It was about their ineptness as a coach. It was about their decision-making on the field in critical situations and you know decision-making that they did while the game was going on that you were making fun of. So this is a completely different situation. It's a shift away from, you know, I would imagine Chargers fans are breathing a sigh of relief. Like, hey, we, we have a coach now that actually 
knows what he's doing in the moment in game. It doesn't mean that he's going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that he's not ever going to make a mistake, but it means that you don't necessarily have to worry about at the same level or frequency that Chargers fans were used to under previous coaches. Yeah, forgive me. I misspoke there. Uh, He played with San Diego. He was not the quarterback of their Super Bowl team. That was Stan Humphreys. Um, I don't know why I thought that was hard, because he he took the Colts to that championship game. That's why I thought it was – I just got him mixed up a little bit. He was on the Chargers team that was really bad with Ryan Leaf. That went like one yeah. in fifteen that year. He, he was like the he's backup. been th- he's been there before. Yeah. Uh, either way, so that it, it, it that stuff. I mean, it checks a small box. It's not the biggest thing in the world. It's kind of like you know the Michigan hire. Like they want their Michigan man, and they got one in Harbaugh. I get it, but it's not really that important. You just need to win, and his coaching record is unreal. I mean, when when you look at it, so he started at the University of San Diego, right? And and his last two, he was there three years, one games every year. Their last two years, they were 22-2. and two. And he goes to Stanford, and it takes him a couple of years, but he gets them rebuilt in, you know, into what they were. And then he went to the 49ers for a little bit, right, and, and just was wildly successful there, 44-19-1 and 19 and one as a coach over four years. He, he stormed into that job and won 13-11-12 games. I mean, just remarkable. And then, of course, goes to Michigan and just has a, has an unreal run. The COVID year wasn't good. Every other year was good there. He had one eight and five that I guess some people might say is not good, but let's be real about it. And then he wins the national championship this year. Dude just wins. He wins. He's 144 and 52 as a college coach. He's 44 and 19 as an NFL coach. And now he goes and he inherits Justin Herbert. I, I, the Chargers have been a snake-bitten organization I think this is the one that will turn that around. And look, I think that also the jury is still out on what's going to happen at Michigan. I think Sharon Moore is the natural choice, obviously, and it looks like that's what Michigan is is wanting to do moving forward. And I, I wish him all the best. I hope he has a ton of success. If you look at the two prior stops that Jim Harbaugh had, at obviously San Francisco and Stanford before that, look at both of those teams after Harbaugh left. When you look at the 49ers, they had losing seasons every year until 2019 when they finally made it to that Super Bowl against Kansas City, right? And Kyle Shanahan comes into the picture. The, the team had a complete drop-off when Harbaugh left. So you, and, and I think that you could say kind of the same thing about Stanford. That program is not relevant anymore like it was when Jim Harbaugh was the coach. So not only does he win – but his absence is always felt when he leaves a team. And so if I'm the Chargers organization, I want to lock him in for as long as possible. I want to make sure that he retires the Chargers head coach. I want to make sure that he provides some stability for this franchise long term, that he gets them over the hump. I do think that it makes them more legitimate and more relevant in the division, absolutely, in a division that includes currently Andy Reid and Sean Payton. It gives the Chargers another really high-profile coach in that division. But the the effects of Jim Harbaugh leaving a team are well-documented. Everybody knows that. You can look at teams' records when he leaves the program or when he leaves the franchise. So, you know, for the Chargers, let that be a lesson to you to do everything that you can to make Jim Harbaugh stay there for as long as possible because other teams have not fared well when Harbaugh leaves. Well, yeah, 
I mean, because I don't, I don't know why that is. That is that's a weird because he's leaving on top, right? It's not like he's leaving a dumpster fire. So that is a strange occurrence. I don't know why that is. I just know he wins games. And for the Chargers, you just got to win games. That's what they haven't done. They haven't won them in the back. And they've been in position to do it. It's a weird, you know, like you, you look at some of the other teams around the league where you say like historically that have not won or gone through these stretches, the Lions until this year, the Browns. Yeah, that's because most of the time their roster sucked. That well, You can't say that about the Chargers. I mean, they had Phillip Rivers and LaDainian Tomlinson. And Keenan Allen. I mean, you're talking about Hall of Famer guys yeah. that have been there for a long time, and they just haven't been able to do it. And it's strange. And they've had it on both sides of the ball. And they have it. Some of the best players we've ever seen have been through San Diego. Junior Seau, right? Like, like all-time great players. And they haven't been able to get it done. And some of the time, those guys have all played on the same teams, and they haven't been able to get it done. So I'm excited. Uh, for my Charger in-law fans, that they can get this done. I know Chiefs fans aren't excited, probably, to see Harbaugh coming in, but I like that rivalry, and you know, I, quite, quite frankly, I, I want it to be a good one. I'd rather see the Chargers be good than the Broncos or the Raiders. If I'm, you know, if I'm picking my shot, it hasn't been much fan. of a rivalry in the last few years. I know that. I know. I know that everybody wants to prop up Mahomes and Herbert, and I understand why, but at multiple different levels, that rivalry just really isn't. As you know, quite there. Herbert's and, only beat him once, and, and it's and yeah. it's because the Chargers have historically underdelivered, and that's what the unfortunately that's what happens with the Chargers year after year after year. Is on paper they look incredible and they're hyped up. In fact, it wasn't this this season, but I remember last season in our picks, I had the Chargers to win the division in 2022. Everybody picks the Chargers to win the division, to win Super Bowls, to win all of that. And then this season actually happens, and then they fall on their face. That's typically what has happened with this franchise. And I think Harbaugh is the guy that can turn that around and make that not happen. We need Herbert versus Mahomes to be a thing, right, as football fans. It has not been Justin Herbert's fault that the Chargers uh, have not won those games, only one out of six, I believe. Herbert's been pretty good in those games. We need the Chargers to be competitive there because I want that rivalry to be as awesome as Mahomes Allen because they play twice a year. Who doesn't want that, right? Like you want that rivalry. That makes those games more fun. So we'll see. Good good hire by the Chargers, the only hire, the right hire by the Chargers. Speaking of hires, uh, Tommy, I have not seen the actual report yet, but you got something about Bill Belichick and the Chiefs. I want to get into that. We'll let you explain what you're seeing here this morning. And I I just don't understand – all the smoke around Andy Reid's future. Maybe there is. I don't know. We'll get into it next. Sports Daily. Congratulations to Scott for winning our HTO giveaway. Uh, by the way, Chiefs fans, Chiefs games are available for free over on KNSS and on the Odyssey app, also on KFH this week because they're playing in the national game. So what will happen is on KNSS, you'll get the Chiefs radio network pre- and post-game coverage on KFH, you'll get the national pre- and post-game coverage, but you're going to get the Westwood One call of the game both places. That's what the NFL does once you get to championship weekend. So that's where it is. If you can't listen to it over the air, you can find both broadcasts for free on the Odyssey app. We'll be back. More Sports Daily right after this.
Oh, man. Jad sent us our preseason predictions. Um, Brutal. I don't know that it's not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, you're brutal because you picked the Bengals to win the Super Bowl. And I picked Aaron Rodgers uh, had, as my MVP. Oh, yeah. That's not good. Uh, I had, uh, let's see. I had the Chiefs, but I can't remember who I had them playing. We all in had the, Super the Eagles. Bowl. We all picked the Eagles in the NFC. Gross. Uh, gross Eagles. Why did I pick the Eagles? Why did oh oh because that's right they had this amazing draft and then sucked on defense. Anyway, they got Vic Fangio. By the way, that's probably not good for the rest of football. Uh, dude still got it as a defensive coordinator. Um, Tommy, I, I jeez, this 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 stuff with, with the coaches is weird to me. And now we've got what a rumor that. Bill Belichick might come to the cheat. Like what, 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 what are we, what's going on here? What, what are we doing? Yeah. So I'm having a hard time finding a whole lot about this, but if you, uh, if you subscribe to ESPN push notifications, I got a push notification earlier this morning that said that Adam Schefter, and I believe he was on TV. He's not tweeted this out. This is not a report. I don't think, I think the phrasing was speculating Adam Schefter speculating that if Andy Reid decides to retire in Kansas city, that Bill Belichick could replace him. And that's all I've been able to find about it. Uh, it, So I don't know if he just made an offhand comment when he was on TV earlier or what that looked like. But um, as far as I know, it's all just sort of like, you know, Schefter speculating. But I don't know of anybody more dialed in to what's happening around the NFL than Adam Schefter. So um, I I don't know. I have no idea if this has legs or not, but it did pop up this morning. I I think it's... I think that's probably likely that he was just in one of his discussion spots and and throughout. But I don't know. I haven't seen it either. So here's what's really interesting is that so many people are bringing up Andy Reid potentially retiring. I don't know why that's happened. That's never happened before that I can remember. It happened happened leading up to the Super Bowl last year because he was coaching against his previous team. And the speculation was that if he wins, you know, that would be the icing on the but, cake but of beating where, his old team, and then he could go out on top. But then that was put to bed that very quickly from? after the Super Bowl. Like, I remember, I think he was, like, even on the podium and, like, said that he wasn't going anywhere, you know, right after the Super Bowl. So, I mean, this is not the first time that's that's happened. What do, what do people think Andy Reid's, like, waiting to do in retirement? Because, I, like, for me, I don't picture Andy Reid wanting to do Anything else ever besides coach football? I could. See, I'm not sure. I could that see anybody Reed. has enjoyed coaching football in the history of the world more than Andy Reid. I could see Andy Reid and his wife purchasing a fifth wheel, driving around the country, trying cheeseburger restaurants. I could see that. The that's the way that he. But he can do retirement. that anyway. Like he can just do that in the off season. Yeah, but he could go to I, I, every like, little small town, and I mean, you know, just dry, like, take the I, RV I all it, around the country. I mean it sincerely. Like I so don't do know I. that there's anybody that's loved coaching more than Andy Reid. Like it is who he is, and so I don't. What I'm trying to figure out with all this stuff is like, where are these rumors coming from? Because I've never heard anything that would indicate to me, and anything he's ever said, or really any of his players have ever said. That he's not just going to keep coaching for 10 more years. He's not as old as you think he is because he got his start as a head coach at such a young age. He's not as old as Carroll or Belichick. He is the oldest now, but it's not. What is he, 68? 
I think, think he's younger is he than even that. that old? I think he's like sixty-five. I mean, he's not. That, that's the thing. He's not as yeah. He's sixty-five, yeah. right? So even if you're looking at recent history, I mean, he's got at least five more years in him. Like I, I and I just don't know like what's happening that's making people keep speculating on Andy Reid retiring. Like why? Why do you do that? And what I don't understand is if I'm Andy Reid. Why in the world would I walk away from Patrick Mahomes at this point in his career? Like you've got a generational transcendent quarterback. Why are you retiring to walk away from that right as Mahomes is entering into his prime? He's already had a ton of success at a young age, and now you're you're building him and he's he's getting to a point now to where he is a world-renowned superstar, and that will continue. I, I've I've thought it for a long time that Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes's tenures are intertwined to an extent, right? And so I just really think that that's something that I think you have to take into consideration. I don't think he's going anywhere as long as Mahomes is playing at this level. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he's going to coach till he's 75 or anything like that, but he'll coach as long as he can, as long as he's good at doing it, and he still clearly is very good at doing it. The other part of it is, too, like, I don't know. I I. I I don't know that I've ever seen any coach love coaching more. And I also don't recall an organization that is in that is as in lockstep as the Hunts to Andy Reid to their general manager. Like they are so in tune and so locked in collectively. Like there's just nothing and man they have survived and been through some stuff, right? Some tough yeah. stuff. And so, like, if none of that's going to make it waver, and it clearly has not, then why are we? Why do? Why does everybody all of a sudden keep speculating that he's going to retire? I just like that's what makes me wonder. Like, is there some smoke that we don't know about that would that would honestly it would it would stun me if Andy Reid retires? Because I can't figure out why he would. That doesn't get talked about enough. What you brought up, the way that. He is in communication and agreement and everything and works so well with Brett Veach and the Hunt family. And to your point, there were some really, really, really hard times before Andy Reid and Brett Veach came to town. I mean, I've read articles about how toxic the culture was and the environment was in Kansas City under Scott Pioli and Todd Haley when he was the coach. And I mean, things like... um, People thought that they were being recorded when they were in the facility. And like all these weird things that were going on when that franchise was down at its lowest. And the culture-changing ability that Brett Veach and, and Andy Reid, and then even John Dorsey to an extent before Brett Veach came into town, uh, that doesn't get talked about enough because not only have they, have they made transformational changes on the field to become a championship team, but they've made those those same changes in the front office and just with the entire organization from top to bottom. Yeah, it's and and he's been at the forefront and he has his quarterback and yeah, I, I will I will bet you this. Travis Kelsey will retire before Andy Reid retires, and I don't think that's going to happen this off season. By the way, I don't think either one of them are. But I'll bet you Kelsey's done before Reid's done. I would be blown away if Andy Reid walks away. Now, one thing that I haven't thought about a whole lot is. You know, what if he wants to transition to a front office role? That could potentially be something on the table, but again, I think that's unlikely. I will be shocked if that happens. This dude this loves offseason. coaching. He loves coaching more than anything. You know, like that's just it. like 
And he's only 65, and he's obviously still doing it at a high level. And, yeah, there's there, you get a little grace built in and a little cushion when you got Patrick Mahomes to screw up. That's Not a lot of guys get that. We'll be back. We'll tell you what's on the air today next. Jacob Albrot, Tommy Kester. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. All right. Uh, Welcome in, everybody, to Sports Daily. Not a good morning for Shocker fans. Uh, not a great morning for K-State fans, certainly better than Shocker fans, but we'll get into both of those. We've got a big NFL coaching hire, lots of guests, lots of fun. Chelsea Messenger, our betting expert, will be here. Tim Fitzgerald, our K-State insider, will be here to help break down the game last night. A little heat from Jerome Tang at the Iowa State fans. Typical night names doesn't go K-State's way. Welcome into Sports Daily, everybody. I'm Jacob Albrock, alongside... Tommy Caster, Jad Chambers producing, manning that KFH hotline for you. Shocker fans, we want to hear from you today if you want to let off some steam at 869-1240. We've also got uh, a potential local guy taking over one of the premier college football programs in the country. A lot to get to today. Great morning, Tommy. Good morning. How are you? You know, I'm okay. It's a busy morning, like you mentioned. A lot to get to and talk about. Of course, Wichita State last night. At Coke Arena, it was worst-case scenario from what we discussed yesterday, and I know we're going to get right into it. It's not a fun topic to discuss, but it is necessary after the game last night. It is. Um, it's it's one that I dreaded, quite frankly, but, but here we are. The Shockers lose another one, eight straight now. They're still winless in the American. You can throw the, yeah, but they've played a hard schedule right out the window when you've got losses now to East Carolina, to Temple, um, they're not playing well. They're getting worse. I I don't know where to even begin with all this other than I'm worried. I'm concerned. You know, like growing pains in year one are to be expected. The longest losing streak in, you know, in the, in this millennium and starting winless in this league is absolutely unacceptable. Last night was must win. You had East Carolina at home, and they played like crap, Tommy. They, they didn't look good at all. And I just, I'm concerned that the team is not getting better. It looks like it's getting worse. And I'm concerned that we're in over our heads a little bit here, is what it appears. And these things are, um, are creating issues with apathy, I think. And that's always our biggest concern. Is that people are like, yeah, whatever, man. Like, I'm not spending any time with that. And that's what we don't want to happen. You know, the Shockers being good is good for everybody. It's good for the entire community. It's good for us here, obviously. And the program is just absolutely not where it needs to be. A change was made. And I'm not sure that anything is better than it was before. And in fact, it, it appears that everything's worse, at least on the court. I don't know. This is this is not good. I wonder, and I thought about this as the game went on last night, 
Who is this team? What is this team? I don't know. What is their identity? What are they known for? What stands out about them? What in their game, week in and week out, game in and game out, can you hang your hat on? And I don't know the answer to that. And I watch a lot of basketball. And I feel like you can look at a lot of different basketball teams and you can say, that team is known for their outside shooting. That team is known for their lockdown defense. That team is known for their inside-out play, et cetera, et cetera. I don't feel that way about Wichita State at all. From game to game, I have no idea. I have no clue who this team is and what they can rely on, what they can fall back on, what their identity is. And that's a major issue because if I don't know that and if the fan base doesn't know that, then I think that there's a pretty decent idea that maybe the players don't know and the coaching staff doesn't know and anybody involved with the program doesn't really know what they're going to get from game in to game out. The expectations we've talked about multiple different times, but I'm talking about just the straight expectation when they take the court from game to game, like how is this game going to play out? What do we know about this team? What are they good at? What do they excel at? What do they struggle in? I just don't know the answer because it's different every single time. Paul Mills, the the quote that uh, has been circulating a lot for the last 12 hours is him saying that he felt like some of the play set basketball back 40 years, and I would agree with him. It, it was a, you know, a slog fest to get through. It wasn't... Uh, exciting to watch. It wasn't anything that uh, you know. I, I felt like okay, this team is getting it. You know, this team is figuring out who they want to be in the late part of January as we get into the middle of conference play. I feel like they don't know. I feel like they don't have any idea exactly where the production is going to come from, and. Uh, I think it's an understatement to say that that's concerning. I think that that's incredibly concerning and damaging for this program moving forward. Well, it's just like, look, we we talked yesterday about this. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Both Mark Turgeon and Greg Marshall struggled in year one. It's not that there are struggles in year one. I do think it's different now than it was then because of the transfer portal. And you do not have the freedoms you used to have to build that way. So it, it ha- but you got to evolve with the game, right? Is, is Grant McCasland having a problem at Texas Tech in year one? Did Jerome Tang have a problem in year one? Like the other the other assistants from Baylor in the Big 12 are doing just fine in their year ones at their respective places. I have concern about what's there and what's coming. So this pro like TJ Williams at, at Heights was, has been a Wichita state recruit for a long, long time. And he's going to be awesome. And I can't wait to see him play there, but there's one other player coming in so far. Uh, as a high schooler, that's a it's in the range we want to see Shocker players come in, Zion Pipkin. But you got to be able to do something in the portal. And the Shockers right now, they did a lot in the portal in the off season, right? There there are players that came in that were selected to come in. Ronnie DeGray is a new player. Bijan Cortez is a new player. Dalen Ridgnell is a new player. Harlan Beverly is a new player. So, and and. I just like I'm a little concerned about what we're seeing. Like, so what what is what is telling us this offseason that the Shockers are gonna just all of a sudden bring in a bunch of really talented transfer guys, right? Yeah. Some of these guys were pretty talented transfer guys that we were excited about. But no like nothing is working right now. And I don't know what to make of that. Except like to just sit and say, Oh, well, you know, it's just wait till year two. We had a full year one. Isaac Brown was fired immediately after the season. There was a full off season, right? So I, I don't know what to make of it. And and there's a lot of, well, you know, those teams Isaac Brown had, they, they were full of NBA guys and guys that are, yeah, but Great. guess what? He they, brought a lot. Yeah. He brought a lot of them in. Yeah. Okay. Like, and, and you talk about identity and the identity for a long time was that if nothing else, the Shockers are going to play great defense. They might set offense back 40 years uh, to reach back to your quote you just brought up. Right now we're setting everything back. You turn it over 19 times to East Carolina at home. Like, what are we doing here? And it's not like East Carolina played a good game either. Like, they looked bad, and it wasn't because Wichita State made them look bad. East Carolina just looked like a bad team. It looked like two bad basketball teams out on the court together playing last night, right? And, 52 and so, points at home. Yeah. And that just, I mean, you can, that's not, not acceptable. You, you, cannot, you cannot justify that. There is not, in my mind, a justification for that kind of performance at home. And you know what? I've been really, really hesitant to bring up the word apathy. I know that you've brought it up before. I've been hesitant to bring it up because I, I want to give the benefit of the doubt for as long as I possibly can. But as this losing streak has continued and extended, it, it's hard to not start to get incredibly critical and really concerned that apathy is beginning to set in or has already set in with the fan base. The crowd at home last night was 
pretty poor. And I get it. It's a Wednesday night, blah, 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 blah. But come on, like it's a conference game in the American conference. And I'm not blaming the fan base for not showing up. I feel bad for the people who did show up to watch that, right? I'm not, I don't feel a need to get down to Coke Arena to go watch this team perform. And that's a problem. It was a problem under Isaac Brown, I think, for different reasons. But it's it's a more, in my opinion, more serious problem right now if this doesn't get nipped in the butt and turned around right away. Chris brings up a good point on social media that three of the losses in the AAC have been to first-year coaches. Like, the first-year coach thing doesn't get to be an excuse anymore. Not in today's college basketball. You have to win right away. There are first-year coaches winning all across the country. Okay, and... And this is not a like a, a bash. I like Paul Mills. I like yeah, the person. Me too. I think that you know the personality is is fun, and I enjoy it. The and personality I enjoy his is love a nice. The game. It's a nice, refreshing change. And this is nothing against Isaac Brown, but Isaac Brown didn't really have that charismatic personality. That wasn't his strong suit. Everybody knows that. He was that. very guarded. He was he was public. guarded. He was quiet. He was reserved. He would have rather you know probably not talk to the media. All of that. Paul Mills is more front-facing, more public. I appreciate that about him, and that's great. That's all well and good. But this isn't a popularity contest. It's not a personality no. contest. It's a results-on-the-court contest. And right now, if you're just comparing and contrasting, you know, I, I, you've mentioned this before, warning people that the grass is not always greener on the other side, and at least right now, it's certainly not. Well, I, I don't— I... I've said too, like I I don't know when you're hiring a coach, it's hard for me to understand like all the intricacies that going into making the right selection. But you have to make the right selection, and anymore you have to win right away. I I, I we took a lot of heat for saying the Shockers are going to need to win right away. Yeah. Right. And everyone thought we were crazy for saying that. But man, it's not ten years ago. How do you feel now? You don't think it's important to win right away? We're watching other coaches across the country win right away. And and again, like if there was some, you know, recruiting class coming in or something that you could look, but that that's not there. Like we've got a couple players that we love. One of them, though, has been being recruited by Wichita State for about five years, TJ Williams at Heights, and he's going to be awesome. And, I, and he's going to help turn this around, and I cannot wait for him to be a shocker. But I wouldn't say that that's a, you know, that's a, a player of this staff, right? That work has been being done for a long time. Yeah. Now, they sealed the deal. Good for them. But you're bringing in one other player. Okay. You're telling me you're going to roll with two freshmen. I can be on board with that. But I don't have any confidence in what's going to come in the portal, right? And that those are the things that worry me long term more than anything. Temple has one win in the American Athletic Conference. It's against Wichita State. East Carolina is middle of the road at absolute best, and they just came to Coke Arena and beat the Shockers. And we want to talk about apathy. How many casual fans, Tommy, and I mean this sincerely and it terrifies me, how many casual fans do you think even knew the Shockers were playing last night? Not many. Not many. And that's I, honestly, what, not many. Like, you go from appointment everything. Must see right? basketball. Must see every night. Everybody's paying attention to it. KU and K-State fans are paying attention to it because they live here. It's the beauty and the strength of this program that we're in a big metropolitan area where everybody can get on board, right? No matter who you root for, 
You can be on board with the Shockers. You're paying attention to the Shockers. They're the biggest celebrities in the community. All of these things, man, I got to tell you, I, I don't know how many people even know what's happening or care, let alone, you know, those are two different things. That's the concern. Like, what is it going to take? And, 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 you know, so the other thing is like this responsibility, like what generates that buzz? Well, winning generates that buzz. Us talking about the shockers generates that buzz talking about them winning. There's nothing happening right now to generate buzz. Yeah. Nothing. And buzz needs to be generated already. It needed to be generated coming into this year. So when we say winning this year is really important for this program because the buzz was already fading, this is worst case scenario. We are the flagship network of Wichita State basketball. And they played a home game last night on our network and on our show it was one of the last things we discussed on the program yesterday. It wasn't the top story. It didn't take place in hour number one. It took place in hour number two. And I'm justifying that because it's not that must-see entertainment that it used to be, right? I want it to be that. It needs to continue to be that. It needs to get turned around to be that. Um, but it's not right now. And that's just the reality. And this is not an apples-to-apples -apples comparison. But I do think that it is pertinent to this conversation. Look at Grant McCasland at Texas Tech. right? He went from North Texas to Texas Tech. Year number one, Texas Tech is at the top of the Big 12. Grant McCasland is a great coach. He comes from that Baylor tree the same way that Paul Mills does. It's different because McCasland went to a Big 12 program. Mills went to an American program. I get it's not a, a true apples-to-apples -apples comparison, but Grant McCasland, in year number one in the Big 12, is, have, is having success right away. Oh, by the way, Luke Barnwell from Sunrise is on his staff as an assistant. Okay, So it can be done. It is being done. There are countless examples of it being done. And there are countless examples of it being done with programs that the situations are similar to what we've got here in Wichita with Texas Tech, Jerome Tang last year at Kansas State, and others. And I know that part of the reason why Paul Mills was brought into Wichita State was become, because he comes from that Scott Drew coaching tree. He comes from the long lineage of Baylor coaches to have success. And the thought was, let's duplicate that. Let's duplicate what Jerome Tang is doing at Kansas State and what Grant McCasland is now doing at Texas Tech. Let's have that happen, our own version of that at Wichita State. It could still happen, but things are very, very quickly going off the rails here. And I don't know exactly what it's going to take, but it's got to get back on the track here right now. Uh, th there's no more room for this. Well, you know, that you know, they're it's growing pains. They're struggling. They'll get it figured out. No, it's got to get figured out now. It, the pressure's on. Like the the pressure needs to be felt, and and that's not. I mean, it doesn't need to come from us. And yeah, Tommy, to your point, we're in the middle of a Chiefs playoff run and KU and K-State basketball are competing for Big 12 titles. So yeah, we talk about the Shockers a little less than we might have used to. But guess what? The Chiefs have been in the middle of a lot of playoff runs. And K-State and KU basketball have been relevant for a long time. And the Shockers were still the hottest ticket in town. Yep. yep. And and so, like, I, I just, it, it is, it is, Again, the word I would use is concerning. It is very concerning right now. And and here's the thing, too, about immediate success and how important it is. 
If you look at the the basketball standings right now in the AAC, North Texas, you just you said their coach left. That means they have a, a first-year head coach, Tommy. Yep. They're four and one in the league. Charlotte, first-year head coach. They're six and one in the league. Okay. Uh, Amir Abdul Rahim at South Florida, first-year head coach. That's three of them. They're five and one. So you've got three first-year head coaches there with a combined three losses. They're 15 and three, those three first-year head coaches. Wichita State 0 and 6 in the league. I don't know what to say to people other than there is no rebuilding anymore like that, right? Like rosters look completely different for every coach across the country almost every year, unless you're Bill Self. Yeah. Right? Like it's just like that's the way it is. And so it does matter right now that the Shockers win games right now. What outside of some magical elixir from a collective in NIL? when there's almost no buzz in the community about the program to generate it, is going to make a bunch of talented transfer portal guys come to Wichita State? I don't I don't have an answer for you. I don't know if anybody That's really has an concern. answer. That's my concern. That's the concern. And look, I, the bottom line is this. If what Isaac Brown did in his tenure at Wichita State was not good enough, then this is absolutely not good enough. It's as simple as that. That There's no other way to break that down. There's no other way to summarize it than that. If what Isaac Brown did, and oh, by the way, he won the league. He was the coach of the year in the league at one point. If what he did was not good enough for this program, then this is absolutely not good enough. I am an eternal optimist. I genuinely root for the success of everybody involved with these programs all the time. I enjoy these people at a personal level. I want everybody to succeed, but there is a responsibility for Wichita State basketball to be good and to be relevant. And it does matter to all of us. It matters for this community, matters for me as a business owner, matters for a lot of the big industry in the area, matters to a lot of stakeholders, matters to us here for the reasons that you brought up earlier, matters to me at the TV station I work for. Like all of these things, the success of this program matters. So don't ever think we're just like piling on. We were defenders of the program last year. We want it to be successful. But what's happening now is not going to be good for anybody. And the concern is, again, what are we seeing and what could you point to right now? Halfway through, a little more than this first season. Like, what can you what can you give me that tells me this is going to get better or it's going to be better than this? It goes back, That's, it goes back to what I, I said know. at the very top. I don't know who this team is. I don't know what their identity is. There's nothing to me with their play on the court that stands out. I know that one of the things that was highlighted about Paul Mills when he came to Wichita was the tempo in which his teams play and the pace uh, in which they play. That was something that he was known for at Oral Roberts and, and all of that. I don't, I don't see a lot of that. I mean, I see if that happens, I see turnovers happening. You know, I, I just don't, there's nothing right now. And I'm not even, yeah, I know, I think you're talking like big picture, even things off the court, you know, buzz around the program in different ways. I'm just talking about simply on the court that there's, as far as I can tell, no identity. 
After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Here's what else really sucks. Is Wichita State this year, in the schedule, had games, like high-profile games all over the place. Kevin Saul has done a good job there, right? You've got Missouri. You've got Kansas. You've got Kansas State. They have national TV games. They had a stretch between December 30th and January 18th where they played five in a row on on broadcast television. They lost, you know, all of them, of course. Uh, now you've got a stretch where you've got games all over national TV for your next three. One of those is included in, like, the biggest window that there is, which is the CBS window of a Saturday afternoon against Memphis. How How is this looking for people that see this program nationally? Right? Those... Those games are scheduled because well, these networks nobody like, oh, cares nationally. Shocker, shocker care basketball. People let's, care nationally. let's get, I know. And that's the thing. Like, those are the opportunities. There were so many opportunities this year. So many. And it's dying before our eyes. And I don't know other than the guys in that locker room turning it around, which again, I'll tell you, I am rooting for them greatly Me to too. do that. Me too. But outside of that, I don't know what's going to do anything. They got to get it figured out. Got to get it figured out. That was a must-win game last night, and they fell about as flat as you can fall. We'll talk about other things in the sports world as we make our way through. Our pal Chelsea Messenger comes in. We'll look ahead to championship weekend. Dig in with our betting insider. That's next on Sports Daily. Phone call is welcome. 869-1240. Sports Daily on 97.5 and 1240. KFH, Wichita's number one sports radio. On the line is the host of the Daily Tip and Odyssey sports betting insider, Chelsea Messenger. Insider calls are presented by BetMGM. Go check out all of the latest lines today on the BetMGM app. Also, be sure to check out the Daily Tip podcast for more of Chelsea Messenger analysis. Just search BetMGM wherever you find your podcasts. All right, welcome back in, everybody, to Sports Daily. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster here with you on this Thursday, which means we're joined by our pal Chelsea Messenger getting ready for conference championship weekend in the NFL, typically one of the great weekends on the NFL calendar. Uh, games deliver in this round historically. Chelsea, how are you this morning? Doing well. We've got some great games on the slate, but I think the one that everybody's watching and not just in your neck of the woods I think it's going to be the Ravens and the Chiefs game. 
it feels to me that that's going to be the better game of the two, and I'm very excited to watch. So let's dig into that one first. It is the first game up on the schedule. The Chiefs are three-and-a-half-point dogs. I'm curious to hear how this is being uh, viewed by Sharps and the public. My guess is that there is more money going to the Ravens from the public, although you have the Mahomes thing. It's it's curious because they've been so dominant this year, but what are the trends right now? Well, I'm looking at the real-time numbers over at BetMGM right now, and it is dead even. 50% of the money on the spread is on the Chiefs, and 50% of the money is on the Ravens. If you look at the money line, the Ravens have a slight edge at 52%, Chiefs at 48%. But I think what's really throwing people for a loop is that stat about Patrick Holmes as an underdog against the spread. 9-1-1 and ATS as an underdog in his career. He is entering the territory of the one-sentence handicap where you just don't bet against Patrick Mahomes. We used to say this about Tom Brady, and I kind of laughed. And I remember saying this going into the Super Bowl. People saying, oh, don't bet against Tom Brady. The Bucks getting points against the Chiefs. I thought to myself, well, this is stupid. It's a team sport. But you know what? Guess who won that Super Bowl? It was Tom Brady and the Bucks. So Patrick Mahomes is certainly entering that territory but this is a tough one because I think everything on paper is suggesting maybe the Ravens are the play, especially at home. But I, for one, will not be going against the trend of Patrick Mahomes as an underdog. So a week ago, Chelsea, Josh Allen had a really good rushing game against Kansas City's defense. He ran for over 70 yards on the ground. Uh, and knowing how good of a runner Lamar Jackson is, I would imagine that part of the Baltimore game plan will be to get Lamar Jackson out in space, you know, try to gash that run defense for Kansas City. So uh, knowing that, uh, at least that being my opinion, is there a good prop as far as what Lamar Jackson can do on the ground? Yeah, you and everyone has noticed this. Uh, Lamar Jackson's rushing prop earlier in the week was 59.5. Now it is sitting at 64.5. Five yards on a rushing prop is a pretty significant move. So I'm pretty sure everybody else is seeing what you're seeing. And I think it's right, though, because I think this is one of the better angles in the postseason is looking at quarterback rushing props. Obviously, these numbers are based on regular season numbers. This one has inched up quite a bit. But still, Lamar Jackson is going to run more when the season's on the line. And clearly, this is what's been working, you know, for the Ravens. And it just worked, like you said, for Josh Allen and the Bills. Josh Allen went over his rushing prop against the Chiefs in the first half alone. So looking at Lamar Jackson's rushing prop, it's 64.5 if you want to take the yards. Also, if you want some plus money, Lamar Jackson to run in a touchdown is even money. So uh, Lamar Jackson plus 100 anytime touchdown, I think is a pretty solid play as well. Uh, Chelsea, in that game, as we look at, you know, the the trends of what the teams, we, we know two things that neither of these teams has been particularly strong defending the run this year. And I think both teams really want to run the ball as a part of their identity. Does that do anything to what we look at in totality? Like, does that lower your expectation for a total? Do you just attack player props in that way? But both of these teams are near the bottom of the league in yards allowed per carry. The Ravens ran it 43 times last week. I think the Chiefs we're about 50-50 on their split, which is for Andy Reid a significant number. But does that sort of thing alter any way you look at this? 
I think we've seen it tick down in the total for this reason. Uh, I think whenever you see the marquee names like Lamar Jackson, Patrick Holmes, you instantly think, okay, it's going to be an over. We're going to see fireworks. But this total opened at 45, now down to 44 and a half, uh, even though we're still seeing a significant amount of money coming in on the over. 84% of the money right now at BetMGM is on the over. And I will say 44 and a half is a pretty palatable total. You know, it's sitting there kind of right in the middle to where we know both of these offenses certainly have explosive potential. And I think that's kind of what you're gambling on. You know, if you, t- you take an under there, you are just hoping that you don't get the big play from either of these teams. And especially if it's a two-minute two minute drill, because it feels like Patrick Holmes, probably the best in the game at that. We know they can score quick. So I think that's how I'm reading into it. But you're right. It's wild how the Chiefs have really become such a balanced team when they still have the best quarterback in the league. Do you think it's too risky to jump on anything regarding Mark Andrews in this game? It sounds like uh, he, he may be returning for the game coming off that injury. Uh, is it more of a, a sneaky play to maybe see if there's something that he can do in this game or stay away considering he's coming off of injury? Yeah, it didn't really pop up on my radar because I'm just not sure if we can guarantee it. Yeah. Obviously, when he is on the field, he is the security blanket for Lamar Jackson, especially in the end zone. He's not quite the level of like Brady and Gronk and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, but he's certainly up there. I know he doesn't get the name recognition, but certainly one of the better tight ends in the league, but also coming off an injury. And also, I think this is going to be a game where the Ravens are going to be running the football. So that kind of goes against my game script. So I think I'll stay away. All right, let's uh, anything else before we look at the NFC Championship game, Chelsea, that you want to mention on Chiefs Ravens? Yeah, do we think Travis Kelsey's back? Because you can still get him plus money yeah. for an anytime touchdown, plus 115. I think that's a solid look. It feels like his confidence back. It feel is back. It feels like Travis or excuse me, Patrick Mahomes' confidence has always been there in him. Uh, so I feel like that's a solid look as well. Yeah, let's talk NFC yeah, he, Championship game. He's back. Game. He's yeah, back, by yeah, the way. Yeah. He, he, I agree. Yeah, he'll be good. Let's talk NFC Championship game, Chelsea. So, you know, obviously uh, what the Lions have been able to do uh, to continue on in the playoffs and, and with the Niners, I know that they've been you know, obviously the number one seed and, and the top team in the conference, but Brock Purdy looked kind of average a week ago. We don't know the status of Debo Samuel for this weekend. What do you like in this NFC Championship? Yeah, have we seen a definitive answer on Debo Samuel? I know he didn't practice practice yesterday, but I don't think that there's anything that has for sure come out about him. I think you wait and see. I think he is a huge part of the offense that I don't want to put any money on this game until I know if he is going to play. I think when you watch the games, you kind of realize that by the eye test. But finally, some numbers. Get up. uh, ESPN tweeted this out the other day. Yards per play for the the Niners when Debo's on the field is 7.1. When he's off the field, it dwindles to 5.6. Quarterback uh, ranking or rating, excuse me, for Brock Purdy, 74 when Debo's there, 65 when he is not. So clearly a bigger part of this offense than I think people realize. It's not just Christian McCaffrey. You know, it's not just Brock Purdy. Debo Samuel is a huge part of the offense. So I'll wait and see there. I do think it's probably the Niners that advance. This is a great bounce-back spot for Brock Purdy because we've seen it over the course of the year. He's kind of struggled against some of the better defenses in the league, but that's not the case going against this line secondary that throughout the season has given up the second-most yards per attempt, 
and also back-to-back games of giving up at least 349 pass yards to Baker Mayfield and Matt Stafford. So I think he does have a nice little spot here to look a little bit better than we saw last week. Uh, I think the Niners are probably the play, but seven, a little too rich for my blood, especially until we know the status of Debo Samuel. Yeah, I, it's it's too rich for me, too, because it just feels like that Lions are playing with house money here. These games in this weekend, I mean, this is just off the top of my head. I haven't looked this up, but they feel like they're generally pretty close. I, it is the Jared Goff thing, though, outside that scares me. Like, they, he's really, like, if you go back and look at the games they've played this year, he has, like, one game in Chicago where you're in a cold-weather city that was on the road. He's played a lot of road dome games. He's played a lot of road games in, like, Florida and California. So, and, and in that game against Chicago, he wasn't very good. And and I know that, like, historically those trends are that. That's, that's what's scaring me about the Lions, even though I know the weather's supposed to be okay. It's the fact that he's got to get out of the friendly confines and the cozy dome there and head outside. Does that concern you at all? Well, he is from California, and supposedly he's supposed, uh, supposed to have a bunch of family there. So I don't know if I would call it the opposite of friendly confines, but you're right. It is a different environment when you're playing on a different surface and, you know, a different – environment i think what scares me the most about playing the lions because you look at the number and you say okay seven is a lot but look at the entirety of the nfl postseason out of 10 games there have only been two where the spread has mattered and what i mean by that is you know a game in which the favorite wins doesn't cover i think that was uh both the niners and the lions going into this one but that means eight of the games you just pick a winner and that's a trend that we've kind of seen in the NFL postseason, postseason over the last couple of years. So I know it sounds daunting to take the seven, but in a lot of these games where there's been big mismatches, the spread hasn't mattered. I've had a hard time with the Lions this entire season as far as betting the running game between what they do and how they utilize both David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. So in a game like this, when you've got both of those weapons who do different things for this team – What's the best way to bet either or or both Montgomery and Gibbs? Yeah, usually when there is a running back tandem that splits carries, that's those are guys I don't bet on. Unless you want to bet on anytime touchdowns because you can get both for plus money. You can get David Montgomery plus 125, Jameer Gibbs also plus 125. If you bet both of them and one of them hits, you're still going to win yourself a little bit of money just because the odds are plus money. Like, maybe that's the way you do it, but in general, you know, running back duos, not the best way, you know, that I like to bet on. I think you could probably make a case for betting some sort of Christian McCaffrey overs. We have seen that he will take a team on his back, but the Lions have actually been pretty solid against the run, at least statistically speaking. So, I don't know. I don't think I'm banking on any of the running backs uh, in that game. I want to go back to, to Jared Goff for just a second. What what an opportunity for him to prove something. But to that home road thing, and I want to go all in on the Lions here just for fun. But man, he's been over the last two years like 20 points worse on the road. He's So at home, he's got 42 touchdowns to nine interceptions. On the road, it's 17 touchdowns to 10 interceptions. I'm worried about him up against this defense. Even if San Francisco's offense struggles without Debo, because if Debo doesn't play, I do think that they will. I'm kind of looking at an underplay here when you look at those factors, right? If Debo's shaky, if Goff is not nearly as effective on the road, 51's a lot of points for two teams that are 
at least decent defensively. Oof. And I'm doing a Lions game. I don't think you're going to sell me on that with that secondary. I know. I get what you're saying, but I do think these are correlated. So if you think the Lions kind of stand a chance, maybe you go with an over here. But if it's an under game and the Lions aren't getting anything going, like we've kind of seen against some of their better uh, competition, like I'm trying to remember the score of the Ravens game because they get scrubbed by the Ravens. I believe that was an underperformance. So we'll see, but I don't know. Uh, I feel like even if you wanted to do a same-game teaser, if you believe in the Niners in this spot, you could get the Niners at minus one, and then you bump down the total six points to 45. You hit the over there, because I do think that's a a palatable enough total, especially for this 49ers offense, because I think that's the sabotage factor if you take the under. This Niners offense has had some of the best numbers of any team in the NFL. And look at how many weapons they have. If Debo Samuel plays, even just as a decoy, you know, he opens up some of the other weapons. George Kittle coming off a great game as well. I think that's why I would be too nervous to take an under, just because the Niners' offense has so many weapons. All right. Uh, anything else in that game that you're looking at as far as player props or anything else we need to be on for Niners-Lions? I think there's more volatility with that game, so nothing else on that one. I think I'm really loading up on Chiefs-Ravens. Uh, I like yeah. a lot of props on the Ravens, I think. And here's the one I wanted to ask you about. The field goal kicker props. Harrison Butcher oh, seems yeah. pretty reliable. And Bring the it, Ravens baby. have been, yeah, the, the Ravens have been one of the best red zone defenses in the NFL, ranking second overall in touchdown percentage. Do we think there's a lot of field goals here? I think the, the line's one and a half for field goals for Harrison Butcher. Feels like that might be a play. Uh, my text thread buddies are going to love that, Chelsea, because I've been on the Butker over one and a half auto bet for a while now. <laughs> it, it's it's been my, it's been one of my absolute favorites. And why wouldn't you take it in this game? I'm with you on that one. I love it. Yeah, that or kicking points over six and a half, which is two field goals, extra point, or you know any variety of the math that you get to get there. Yeah, that's I haven't looked at it that way, but that is a good point. We can and and probably Justin Tucker for the same reason. Chiefs have been very bend don't break too. One of the best yardage defenses in or football and and all of those things. So uh, kicker kicker fest there in Baltimore, <laughs> Chelsea. We appreciate it. Uh, good luck. Have fun with Championship Weekend. I know it's one of the most fun on the calendar. And then of course we'll have Super Bowl. My goodness, we're gonna have a Super Bowl to talk about here pretty quick. Yeah, thanks for having me, and good luck to your Chiefs. I feel like they might need it. We appreciate it. Thank you, Chelsea. That was the host of the Daily Tip and Odyssey Sports Betting Insider, Chelsea Messenger. Insider calls presented by BetMGM. Go check out all the latest lines today on the BetMGM app. We're up against it. We're behind schedule. Jad's going to give us hell during the break, but we'll get caught up. We're going to take a break here on Sports Daily. 97.5 and 1240 KFH. All right, welcome back in, everybody. Real quick segment here. We'll sort of reset for you. We've got Tim Fitzgerald coming top of the next hour. We'll certainly be talking about K-State hoops from last night. Uh, Tough loss. I thought K-State... Had something going there, but it was a tall task in Ames, and it got away from him in the end. He had a little drama between the coaches. Uh, Fitz loves drama. He'll get us the latest <laughs> I can't on wait that to for ask sure. About that because that was yeah. He'll you, have you, you rarely see Jerome Tang like that, so that's going to be interesting. Yeah. 
He'll have a, a take on that for sure. Uh, but we'll get into it and, and just continue to look at K-State's prospects of, of being a contender to win the Big 12, which is just a remarkable thing to say this year when you consider everything that's happened there. So we'll get into all of that in the next hour. We'll continue to look at it. Chiefs-Ravens, if you missed anything on our Shocker discussion. Of course, you can go back and listen to that for free uh, on the Odyssey app. Chiefs games also available on the Odyssey app or uh, live on KNSS. You can tune into KNSS Sunday at noon for the Chiefs Radio Network pregame coverage. You'll have Westwood One's national play-by-play, then back to Chiefs Radio for postgame coverage. You can hear it all on the free Odyssey app. Just search for KNSS at noon Sunday. You can, of course, have the national pre- and postgame on KFH or on the Odyssey app. Uh, your choice this weekend. We'll have Tim Fitzgerald coming top of the next hour when Sports Daily continues. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.